0: Welcome to The Complete Musician, creativity at its core, exploring innovative musical ideas, thoughts, and techniques for the modern musician in today's society, with your hosts, James Nagus and Drew Phillips.
1: Are you still buying toothbrushes? (laughs) Yeah. Can can we start? (laughs) There's way too many types. Can we... (laughs) But I'm, I'm ready
0: to start the podcast. Okay, hold on. Okay. With one click, I will have it in two days. And... Okay. Did you... There the that? dynamite. There it no. is. We can
1: start now. Okay, we can start now. Good. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Complete Musician Podcast. I am Drew. And I'm James, I think. And we are here to bring you more insightful talks on music things. All things. Music things. Yes. That's what we do. So one of the main things that we've been doing lately is we've been time stamping these by talking about what's been going on relevant to our life uh, at the same time as we record these. And we've been getting these out fairly late, so they've been months behind. So we're going to stop doing that. So this is a time, and we're at a place, and things are happening. And the only thing you know is that I just bought toothbrushes. So try to figure it out so we're starting another mini series <laughs> we did a, a previous one on some technique things uh this time james has no idea because i am the king of all miniseries clearly. yeah that's how we do it it, it keeps yeah.
0: things uh keeps it fresh keeps me on my toes even though i'm sitting in a chair i am on my toes while sitting
1: i don't appreciate you lying to the audience i see you no, doing I, the no i no i really I see am it. it's quite uncomfortable I see it. stop <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing a mini series uh this time again it, the topic is unknown to to james but uh he will know in uh, about four seconds uh we are going to talk right. about strategies to, to combat hmm. performance anxiety oh okay that's a pretty good one right that is it's very applicable I think so. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a uh, strategy each time to get over performance anxiety, hopefully not getting too long, as we tend to get pretty long-winded, uh, or these do, especially when I add in all the SpongeBob quotes and things that I like to do when I edit these, because it's a lot of fun. What is fun? We try to not keep it too long this time by talking about at least a strategy. I have one strategy, and then I guess, James, you can either comment or add to you or whatever you want to do. Sure.
0: Yeah, you can start with yours cool
1: so the first one that we're going to talk about just this time so the next podcast the next mini series will be on the next strategy i have but the strategy i wanted to talk about today um, in dealing with performance anxiety uh, a lot of people will we all deal with this right like none of us are none of us are uh, free from not feeling nervous when we play
0: there's yeah there's always something and and i don't think with performance anxiety it's not even necessarily just nerves but it's maintaining focus on other things other than the music definitely
1: but but yeah And, and it can affect us in a lot of different ways and i know i felt different effects of performance anxiety throughout my time as a musician and i've seen it too resulting in shakiness Resulting in lack of response, (laughs) resulting in um, other things that affect you not being able to, like you said, focus on playing the notes on the page or rhythmically. Uh, Lots of different things that can happen when you get nervous. So what we're going to talk about are some strategies to help combat that or something that may apply to you in your life that can help you get over performance anxiety. I don't think it's something that you necessarily ever get rid of but it's something you can learn to manage.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So the first performance anxiety strategy that I have, it sounds like, it sounds obvious, but I think preparation and not just preparation, uh, but taking the steps to ensure a good performance. And I think part of that to get even more specific is doing something right. (laughs) more times than you've done it wrong. Right. That's a really important thing that I've noticed in my own students and in my own life is when I perform, if I've done a certain piece or passage or something that I know is difficult and I've done it more times wrong in my own personal practice than right, I get hugely anxious and nervous about it in the actual time that I have to do the said thing. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest part of this thing that we're talking about is confidence. I think that's another word for it, is if you go into a situation confident that you've played something right and you will be able to play it right, then you won't be nervous. If you go in thinking, well, I never quite played that solo right any time in rehearsal, so, oh, here it goes, you probably will be nervous about
1: that. Right. And so... How do we do something or how do we track that we've done something more times right than wrong?
0: Uh, It's a good question. How do
1: we do it? So one of the uh, ways I thought about this is by segmenting your practice into percentages. So what I mean is, and this is something I encourage all my students to do and that I've done at some part of my life, all of the strategies that we're going to talk about in the mini series uh, in these next couple of weeks have applied to my life at one point or another, or I've found successful. So that's why we're sharing them. Um, but when I say percentages, at one time in my life, I remember and encouraging my students to do, I made a chart. I separated my music that I was practicing or whatever I had to learn into sets of measures, uh, sometimes into phrases, sometimes into if it was really difficult, into bars of music. And I would make a chart of maybe like numbering one through 10 across a paper. And then I would play it 10 times. And if I played it exactly the way I wanted to, with all the right notes, all the right rhythms musically, and with a good tone, all of those qualifiers that I expect of myself when I play quote unquote well, right? then it gets a check mark. And if I didn't do it right, it gets an X. At the end of that, out of 10 times, it gives me a percentage. Now, as musicians, I think we always want to aim for the highest percentage, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if we're thinking about it, a 70 percentage accuracy on a phrase means, I I mean, you could convince someone or relate it to every 10 notes, you're going to hit seven and miss three. Mm. That's that's not so good. That's a pretty devastating uh, percentage there. So this is something that can give you a more mathematical view of it. Um, And as you practice over time, by taking said measure or segment that you're isolating, if you think of it as I have to get a certain number correct or a certain percentage on every single phrase, hopefully it's 100. Hopefully you're able to do you know, 10 times in a row, even if you want to be really mean to yourself, stretch it some more than that. Do it 15. If you're, you know, learning something at first and you're just taking it uh, a few times, maybe just do it five times, right? Um, But getting a percentage that you can be happy with will, like you said, instill confidence. And when you get to the actual performance date, then you're not so nervous because you know you've performed it a certain percentage more right than wrong.
0: Right. Yeah. And if I can um, just to not spread this too thin, because we'll talk about this more, but just to build upon your strategy, one fun little exercise you can do, and this is something that you can do if you want early on in the learning process or later on, it really doesn't matter, is to record the piece. Now, this works well with unaccompanied stuff, but you could even just do isolate the solo part, you know, without piano. Um, So go into that recording session knowing that when you come out, you will have a perfect take of everything. Now, this may be measure by measure. It may be even note by note sometimes. But by the end of it, you will have played every part of that piece correctly at one point and another. And so that's kind of like your checklist. Uh, What we add to that then is consistency. But at the very base, you know that you've played every single note correct. right? Right. I mean, so, there's phrasing that we have to deal with, too. That's, that's the other issue. If you're just going note by note, then you're still missing some stuff. But true. you know what I mean.
1: One of the qualifiers, or a couple of the qualifiers that I put on not only myself but my students when they practice and when they're actually you know, talking about what they're happy with with their playing uh, or how they gauge whether or not what they did was good enough or not, I think there are a couple levels. I think the first level is definitely notes and rhythms. You have to have the notes and rhythms down that's right oh that's 100% a given. So if you're you know doing this little checklist and you're playing through and you can't get the notes and rhythms, there's no use going any deeper or any farther right. because you've got to play what's on the page at that time okay so there's that The next level down I think is producing uh, a good sound like no can one I, wants, I, to,
0: can I switch those? I you say it's so? not even worth playing notes in the right time if you're not playing well, with a good sound.
1: Yeah, oh, it, fine, but or you can put. I guess you can lump those Every together.
0: Every note played with a bad sound is
1: wrong. Yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I amend it. Fine. You have notes, rhythms, and tone. Fine. There, there. Fine. Then the next level down, at least, is musicality, yep. phrasing, right? Uh, if you're playing all the notes and rhythms and with a good tone, fine. Thank and you. you don't sound like a potato, but you're not playing with any kind of musicality than you're a computer. Beep,
0: boo, boo, Unless Brian. you are a um, one of those like loaded potatoes.
1: Oh, you loaded, know the ones at like, like TGI Fridays. A, like a baked potato. Like, no, like like a with loaded sour cream.
0: No, like like potato a potato skin. with a gun. Like with like bacon. That's a loaded
1: potato. Or... Yeah. True. Or a potato that's really partaken in too many alcoholic beverages. They're pretty loaded. That's a loaded potato. We don't want
0: to be that type of potato.
1: Please don't be an alcoholic potato when you play the horn. Or any instrument. That would be pretty terrible. Anyway, so we don't want to be a computer. So play not only the notes and rhythms, but if you can do that musically, then you're doing something good. Um, After that, you can add your own qualifiers on this. Um, but I think those are some really basic levels to know whether you're playing something good enough, right? Yeah. It's not just the notes and rhythms. It's got to be musical too. Anyway, um, that's so that's a part of preparation. I think another step of preparation kind of separate of this is taking the preparation steps to playing for sample audiences. I think that gives you a lot of confidence since we're talking about building confidence. hmm Right, So you don't want your performance about something that you're kind of nervous about or kind of feeling some anxiety over to be in the actual thing. That's not really comfortable because you haven't put yourself in that space yet, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So playing for sample audiences is a great step to take. Uh, The best audiences, I think, are the ones that don't talk to you, like stuffed animals (laughs) or your closet full of clothes that have no people in them. Or your pillow pets. Or maybe a group of, you know, your friends who are deaf. I don't know. Something. People that will not respond to you. Um, I'm just kidding about the deaf friends thing. Like, if you have deaf friends, you know, that was a well, moment. The, anyway.
0: the friends that you want that won't speak are the ones that you say, I'm going to play for you, but I don't want comments.
1: You could also, right, or you could also just collect your friends and just, you know, duct tape their mouths. Then they really yes. won't say anything. You can um, hold them hostage, give exactly. them all potatoes. They go, <laughs> make sure they're loaded potatoes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, or another is family members, people that you know are going to listen. Uh, whatever makes you feel comfortable before you go out and actually do the thing for a bunch of people that you are feeling Uh, Nervous about playing in front of which we'll get to that at another week but anyway uh that's a great step to take and the last step that i like to take that people don't often think of i think is mentally walking through the performance Mm -hmm. not even uh playing i've had students before who when they come in and i say we're going to play in this performance and they even think about it just thinking. Suddenly, there are all these adverse effects that we don't want when we play just by thinking about it, not even being in the space, not having the music in front of them, sometimes not even holding the instrument. Suddenly, yep. these elements of nervousness come into, uh, into their physical body language. So mentally walking through the, the space where you're going to play, what you're going to play, and going through that in real time I think is a very important step that not a lot of people th- take. You don't have to have your pianist there or even be in your concert clothes to stand up and pretend to play by fingering through, maybe not even playing, and you know mentally rehearsing how it's going to go in your head. It's getting
0: used to going through the motions so that when it's recital time, it's not the first time that you've done that, right?
1: Right. So Can this- I add one one oh, more thing ahead. to your
0: preparation, too. I don't know if you were going to talk about this, um, but in terms of preparing, uh, it's kind of, again, this goes kind of without saying, but yet, myself included, I'm guilty of doing the opposite, which is don't do anything different that day. Like, don't take unusual time off. Don't not drink coffee if you drink coffee. Like, just have a normal day and because that's when you've been training for, you know. You practice under normal conditions. You'll play under normal conditions. So just do things normally, treat it like a normal day, and, uh, well, I don't know, maybe don't eat a spicy burrito beforehand, but um,
1: avoid all salty foods.
0: Yes. So there are some things that maybe, yes, do differently, but you know what I'm saying. Don't go crazy and like, oh, I took yesterday off because I know I have my recital today, and... I'm also uh, did seventeen thousand burpees in the morning because I gotta be fit, gotta be in shape,
1: and uh, and I've decided to pound four Mountain Dews for no yes. reason but other than the fact that I really wanted a Mountain Dew.
0: Yeah, I have. I'm playing a Presto, and so I had uh, a couple of those five hour energy shots because I knew it'd make me play faster.
1: I saw that Super Bowl commercial about that monkey puppy baby commercial, and I really oh, wanted geez. some Doritos and Mountain Dew. Anyway. So, yes, that's a great also uh, thing to think about when you're getting ready for a performance. But anyway, those are some steps for preparation. Some steps that you can go through to ensure or to at least help yourself if you haven't thought about preparing in that way. Performances are not just show up and do it, especially if it's something new to you. And unless you're a really seasoned performer, then it, sometimes if you're not doing it frequently enough, It can tend to feel new a lot.
0: So follow those tips, and you'll be just fine.
1: All right. Uh, After this brief commercial, we'll get into our next segment.
0: Are you ready for a fast food experience that'll make you feel like a hero?
1: Can you handle dining that makes you a champion?
0: Are you strong enough to start eating on a pedal E-flat? Well, this is
1: for you. Come to Ein Heldenberger and... Cow folk I own Nebraska my own It's the only German-name restaurant that only serves
0: Greek food.
1: Ein Heldenberger. Where your dining journey makes you a hero. I want a patty milk.
0: You're getting a hero.
1: What's a gyro? It's Greek. Oh, I like that beer. You think it's German. But no. It's Greekish. Just like Ein Laven tells the story of a boy and maybe a goat who fight the evil powers of Beowulf to threaten to at least the demons a little or a fighting good upon Xanadu, and then they get cake, and I really, really like cake, and then my lips got stuck in a gate, and then it was fate, and I was late and to find the mate. Oops, where was I? I mean, the goat suddenly died, and the boy was a hero, but not like a hero, but a hero, which is a sandwich. I mean, you get it already. Okay, thanks Come to Ein Feel like a gyro.
0: Heldenburger is not a real thing because no one would waste the time saying the entire name to go to the restaurant and it's not affiliated with anyone or anything ever and it's not actually exist and it's not an official sponsor of the Complete Position Podcast.
1: Welcome back to everyone's favorite game show, You Should Know This. I'm your host, Outrageous Philbin, but you can call me Outrage. Tonight's contestant is your average, ordinary, everyday paper salesman, Jam Hilbert. How are you tonight, Jam?
0: I'm well, doing pretty good. I hope to win some money because I have some bills, some medical That's bills, really
1: so- great, Jam. Let's remind our viewers at home of the rules. Now I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And if you get an undetermined number correct, then you win our ultimate grand prize. What is it today, Humphrey? Today's ultimate grand prize is an all expense paid trip to
0: Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida. Enjoy attending tapings of your favorite TV shows like What Would You Do? Figure It Out? Family Double Dare! And Salute Your Shorts in your three night stay in your luxury
1: Holiday Inn Express. Parking will not be validated. Thank you, Humphrey. Jam, now are you ready? I think so. The clock will begin as soon as I read the first question. Here we go. Who composed the Brandenburg Concertos? Uh, um, Thomas Edison. Correct. The ballets Sleeping Beauty and The Nutcracker were composed by whom? Um, uh, John. Correct. Who composed the air for the G string? Uh, um, uh, Victoria. Wrong! Victoria's Secret was the correct answer. What composer composed the Planet Suite? Um, my neighbor Elon Musk. Correct! Who composed a symphony nicknamed The Hen. Uh, d- Bill? Incorrect! We were looking for Lucy Goosey. What opera story is about a female cigar factory worker? The, uh, the, the, you know, the one with the, the fat lady. Correct! What type of music is Vivaldi, Purcell, and Handel? Uh, the- popcorn? Incorrect. We were looking for If It Ain't Baroque, Don't Fix It. Who composed Peter and the Wolf in 1936? Uh, Peter. Duh. Correct. What composer's third symphony is nicknamed the Polish Peter? Uh, Mozart? Correct. Beethoven's bathroom was... Oh, no. We've run out of time. I'm sorry, but you didn't achieve the imaginary number of questions correct that we needed. I would say better luck next time, but this proves that you are... Stupid, because you should know that. Join us next time here on WBNG, Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma's leading cable television network. See you next time.
0: We're gonna wrap this up. Uh, This has been another episode of the Complete Musician Podcast. Thanks for joining us as always. And if you want to send us a note, drop us a line. Either just leave a note below if you're on YouTube or send us an email at coremotohorn at gmail.com.
1: We also have a Facebook page that we post our podcasts on and you can certainly leave us a comment there uh, because we'd love to hear from you.
0: And remember, as John F. Kennedy may have said, Those who dare to fail miserably can choose Viola.